What's up, Rip City? This is the Scorching Trails podcast, episode three. I'm Stephen Vaughn with my man Tori Jones, and uh, I said last time, Tori, I'm one for one on breaking news this season. Count me two for two now. We got some breaking news here. Scorching Trails available on Spotify. If you don't want to catch us on YouTube, you don't want to see our mugs, just listen to us on Spotify. So, Tori, how about that? It's Stephen Vaughn, two for two in news breaking. How does it feel to be real with a, uh, with a real newsbreaker here? That's your, that's your partner. Feels pretty good because I am your source. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My source was Tory Jones on this one. Um, but yeah, no, that's uh, catches on Spotify. I think it's big, man. You're uh, you're doing big things out here, Tory. That's all I know. But uh, how about the Blazers? Speaking of big things, preseason wrapping up. Uh, well, wrapped up, and we're heading into the regular season. You know what? I feel like today we need to kind of get into some predictions type stuff. Uh, you know, maybe some wins for the Blazers, but stats. I kind of want to get into some stats. How about that? You, you feeling that today? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know uh, Eric and Crushables on their podcast did like general NBA predictions. We have our prediction stream on Monday. But with you especially, I want to dive into some more Blazer-related predictions and get your thoughts on some of these players and just see – how much we align on certain things and how much we disagree. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, no doubt. Because uh, you never know where I'm going to be. And I may just say things just to say things, but uh, usually I believe it. Usually I believe what I say. So uh, let, let, we'll jump into it. And usually, you know, the first topic and the first guy that kind of uh, always a little bit of a lightning rod for us. Let's start with Anthony Simons. How about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, points per game. Let's go with Anthony Simons' points per game. I mean, you look at him last season. Very, very um, consistently shooting the ball well. Um, you know, 44.5%, 37.5% from three, 21 points a game. You expect that probably to go up a little bit this season now that Dame is in um, Milwaukee. I'd, I would put the over at about 22.5 or so. You know, I know our friends at BetUS, maybe they got something over there sooner or later, but 22.5 points, I would probably take the over because I think he's going to get to about 23 points a game this season. I, I think he takes that step up, um, I, and the efficiency is still going to be there, but I do need to see a lot of uh, a lot of improvement just to, you know, inside, you know, get to the basket, make a place for others, but I think he's going to be the go-to scorer from day one, so I would say right around 23, but uh, if I put the line at 22.5, Tori, what would you put it at? Oh, I think that's... A relatively easy over compared to where oh, the line easy would be over, for. huh? Yeah, I think Chauncey's just going to rely on him heavily offensively in the half court because I think with some of the other guys in the system, especially some of the youth, they may be out, able to get out and run and play at a fast pace. But like Scoot Henderson, especially, I do have some concerns, and we we'll get into it. Some concerns about his play in the half court in this team in the preseason didn't really look too great in the half court and looked a little stagnant. And I think a lot of the offense, especially early on as they build chemistry, will be giving the ball to Anthony Simons, kind of like they would just give the ball to Dame and letting him go to work, uh, and then. You know, also really good catch and shoot guys. So playing off of Scoot, I think he'll excel. So I think Chauncey is going to heavily, heavily rely on Ant this season. I, I my prediction, I'll do it down to the decimal point. Ooh. We'll see how close it is. Twenty three point four points per game for Anthony Simons this year. Okay, twenty three point four. You were written it down. If it's not exactly that, um, I will be calling you out <laughs> that you don't know what you're talking about. Um, all right. So I think we're both over on Avery Simons. We're, the thing is, is like we kind of disagree on Avery Simons as a player, but I think we're both on the same page. 
this year for Ant. Like he's he he's got the potential to be that guy. Like he should be the guy this season. So we'll see how that lands. Um, you know, the other veteran on the team, Jeremy Grant, second longest tenured Portland Trailblazer. Uh, I'm looking at a different betting website here, not BetUS, which is where you should go if you want to do some your betting. But um, they have a number up for Jeremy Grant at 20.4 points per game and an over-under. Um, I would probably take the under on that. I like Jeremy Grant. Um, I think he's a solid NBA player. Averaged 20 and a half last season for what it is, so he would have gone over that number a season ago. He averaged 22 a game when he was in Detroit two seasons ago, but I would say under that, I don't think he quite get to 20 points this year. There's different options. Um, and it's going to be a lot more of him where I think it's going to be him isolating more, right? Like, I don't think it's going to be a lot more. He, he had some catch and shoots last year at the start of the season when Dame was getting it to him. And, you know, people were really focused on Dame. I don't know that's going to be happening this year as much for Jeremy Grant. So I would take the under on him. I also think, and we'll talk about this a little later. I think there's potential he could get traded as well. And if he gets traded, uh, the possessions that he get is going to go down. So if I had to bet, I would say under 20 and a half points per game uh, for Jeremy Grant. I put him at about 19, 18, 19. I'll go 18.8 for Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we agree. Mm. Uh, I, I am also leaning towards the under with Jeremy Grant. That is a harder line to pick. Um, but yeah, I think, Jeremy did a really good job playing off of Damian Lillard last year. I also think that three-point percentage, that was over 40%. I, If I had to bet, I would think he would be below Probably 40% under, yeah. this year. Yeah. I think that was just kind of like a career shooting year for Jeremy Grant. And as the season went along, remember he started like 47% from three or something insane over the first month, month and a half, and then slowly trailed off. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to hit three-point shots at 40%. If I had to guess, probably around like 37% or so uh so that's gonna bring down the scoring a bit and then uh I, I just I don't know if he's going to get the same amount of minutes it depends on how the season goes you got some young power forwards behind him that maybe the Blazers try and get a look at it's it's hard to tell what the minutes balance is going to be between veterans trying to do everything to win now and trying to get a look at these young guys. But yeah, I would I would probably predict it right around 19 and a half to 20 points per game. So that would be the under. Yeah, let's uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Just kind of the the depth that the Blazers have um, and how it is pretty interesting. So those young guys you talk about uh, are how many minutes are they going to get? Will they be starting? Will they be coming off the bench? Just they got a lot of dudes that I don't know where they fit in the NBA. And I think they're going to figure it out. So Jeremy Grant. Uh, yeah, it could be one of those things where he loses a couple minutes here and there, but we'll see. Uh, next guy, let's talk about the new guy in town, DeAndre Ayton. Last year, he was 18 points a game, shot 59%. Um, I would have to put the number as higher than that. Like, if I had to make this line, I would put it at 18.9 points per game. Would I go over that? No, I wouldn't. Um I think that he's going to be right around 18 again this season. I don't know. I don't think he's going to have necessarily a career year like he says he's going to or that people may think he's going to. Um, I think he's going to be you know, a consistent you know, 17, 10 rebound, 17 points, 10 rebounds, something like that, um, kind of like he has been his whole career. So uh, I don't think he's really going to make that big enough jump. Just the way the game is played, like – he he is what he is like he can he can pick and roll and he can finish at the hoop with the dunk uh, he can shoot the ball a little bit but I, I don't think the three-point shot is ever going to develop to be a big time thing for DeAndre I know you want to talk about that a little bit but um, 
I was if I put the line at eighteen point nine points per game, Tory, so that would be a career high in points per him if he went over that, would you go over or under? I think it's entirely dependent that line is entirely dependent upon him knocking down threes because I feel like what he is offensively has been for the most part maximized and Suns fans has ta- have talked about like oh he needs more touches he needs more touches the problem is he's not somebody you give the ball to and he creates his own like he has to get a lot of his looks out of the flow of the he's offense reliant on others yeah yeah exactly and in, in today's NBA you're not going to give a dude 25 post-ups a game and defenses will double and then rotate and game plan for that. Like, you're not able to run offense through the post quite like you were, you know, 20 to 25 years ago when there were some different defensive rules. So I, I don't think Aiton gets to 19, 20 points per game unless he adds something. And that would, in my opinion, have to be the three-point shot. Now, I do think he has a chance. I just think as far as the three-ball goes... He shoots the ball too flat, and that's been the biggest reason why he hasn't been able to stretch his game out from mid-range where he shoots the ball pretty well to the three-point line is just because that shot is so flat. Um, The flatter your shot is, the harder it is to kind of extend your range, uh, in my opinion. So uh, I think that's the key for him is is trying to get a little bit more arc on his shot if he's going to become a three-point shooter. And apparently he's worked on it all offseason. Apparently that's like the one thing he wants to change the narrative about, right? It's funny how he came into media day saying, I'm dominating. And then, you know, a, a couple interviews later, he's like, yeah, I just worked on my three-point shot. Kind of interesting little contrast there. But I, I would probably go the under if I had to predict like 17 and a half points per game. I just think, uh, you know, with, with the chemistry that has yet to be built between this team and the fact that he's reliant upon others and needs others to feed him quite a bit and doesn't have the lob throwers that he's had in Phoenix, um, hasn't had, you know, the elite guards that he's had in Phoenix with Devin Booker and then Chris Paul, good passing point guard. I, I actually think it might be a little bit of a downtick, if anything. So 17 and a half points per game is my prediction. How about uh, this one? We can compare these guys, Nurk and DeAndre Ayton. Uh, also, by the way, Nurkic showing uh, true Yusuf Nurkic style in the preseason, having really good games and then having really poor games. Um, <laughs> expect that, Phoenix Suns fans. Uh, but let's say Nurk, 36%, three-point three percentage shooting last season. Uh, who ends up a higher three-point percentage shooter between DeAndre Ayton and Yusuf Nurkic this year, Tori Jones? I, I think it's easily Nurk, man. Uh, Nurk's form is better. His form from three is better. Uh, but you he think Ayton can shoot, arm. though, huh? I think Ayton has... I think Aiton might have more touch than Nurk, but I think Nurkic is a better three-point shooter because he has a more optimal shooting form for shooting threes. And also, he's found that confidence shooting the three-ball, because that's a big thing as a shooter. You know that, Steven, is is having the confidence, having the green light. I think Aiton will have more of a green light than ever in Portland, so it'll be interesting to see if he can develop some sort of confidence behind the three-point arc. I think if he did, he could be, you know, maybe a 33 34 percenter in that range um but Nurk, given what he showed last year and given the fact that he's started shooting them in games and found some confidence from there i think Nurkic will be higher i expect him to shoot 35 percent, 36 percent, somewhere in there yeah you look at Nurk last season kind of when he started shooting threes um it was like right at the start of january he shot three threes a game basically uh for the blazers how many do you want deandre eight to shoot in from the start of the year because you know you guys talked about this, uh, you know, Chauncey, Chauncey's okay with letting dudes let it fly. And DeAndre Ayton said he's worked on it. 
Chauncey seems like he's willing to let him at least give a shot at the start of the year. Do you want DeAndre Ayton shooting like two threes a game, a three a game? Like, what are you feeling on that? Because for me, I mean, last season he shot about he shot almost a half a three a game. For me, that's about right. Like once every two games, shoot a three pointer, DeAndre Ayton. Uh, I just. I think it's hard when you've played five years in the NBA if you really haven't developed a three-point shot consistently. Like, he may not have it, uh, but maybe he does. Maybe he can surprise me and do that. You know, everyone's going to go to, like, Brooke Lopez, who developed that, but he also came to the NBA when it was a different game and then developed it to stay in the league. DeAndre Ayton, since he's been in the league, big guys have been able to shoot threes. So, I, I you know, I think it'll be a little higher than that. I don't think he shoots, like, like one a game, but uh, what are you yeah. thinking about for DeAndre for me, it's whenever you're completely wide open from behind the arc, go ahead and shoot it. You know, if your defender is five feet, six feet off, you shoot the three ball. Because I think if you're if he's going to be shooting threes, he needs to have the mentality of like, if I'm open, I'm shooting the ball. Because that's the only way he's going to shoot a good enough percentage. Because in the end, I think it comes down to confidence. So I don't think it's necessarily like a number that you put on it. I think it's something where it's like, if you're completely unguarded beyond the three-point line, shoot the three ball. Because... It kind of goes to a philosophical thing, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. Like, if Portland isn't trying to turn DeAndre Ayton into a star-caliber big man, then why did they trade for him, right? Why did they trade for a guy on a max contract if they weren't going to see if they could get him to another level of production? And for me, like, he's already pretty good, 18 and 10, right? But when you look at the stars of the league, like, that's kind of the next step is being that star-caliber big. What all-stars in the NBA can't shoot threes, don't create their own shot, and aren't like a really, really good passer like a Demonis Sabonis. There's none. The only one you could say is maybe Bam Adebayo, but if he wasn't... But Bam can pass, and Bam is like a top three, four defensive big in the league. Like he's The other one would be Jaron Jackson. Yeah, and he was a fringe all-star, and he was, what, defensive player of the year last year? Like, yeah. So unless you're absolutely elite defensively, there's no other star caliber players that don't shoot threes or don't create their own shot or aren't elite passers. So like, if you're going to get Deandre Ayton to that level of being a star caliber, big growth has to come from somewhere. And I feel like the most likely area would, it would be him developing some sort of three point shot. Cause then in the best, the best scenario is if he's knocking down threes, guys close on on him. Maybe he can attack closeouts and drive a little bit, you know, maybe he can create a little bit. Wouldn't it just be defense? Like become an elite defender, like he says he can can be, or Chauncey says he could be a first team all defender. Like, that's the obvious way to pick up your game, and become an all star. Like I just, uh, I, I just I feel don't like think that, I don't think he's going to either. I don't think he's going to either. But like, I think that's the easiest path for him than to be like I'm going to become a knockdown three point shooter, or at least an average three point shooter. I mean, for all the good talk that you gave Nurk for shooting threes last year. After, you know, in 22 games from January 1st on, he shot 27% for three when he shot three threes a game. Like, that's not good. So, like, I don't... Smaller sample. 22 games, dude, he shot 27%. He shot three threes a game. That's not That's not good. On a bigger sample, he shot 40% probably. So, I mean, that's the thing is... is Yeah, but... Guys are inconsistent shooting though. threes. Like, you, you find... Unless you're talking about the best shooters in the league, you find a 20-game sample, 22-game sample from, like, a role player that's not an elite three-point shooter, and you'll probably be able to find a 22-game sample where they aren't shooting the three-ball like well. when he shoots less threes, he, shots a high, he shoots a higher percent. When he started shooting three more threes with the Blazers, that's when he started missing. That's all I'm saying. I mean, just look at, look at Nasir Little. One month, it's 43%. One month, it's, like, 22%, you know? Well, I mean, I, tell I don't, you what, I don't want to talk consistent. about Nasir Little. He's not on the team anymore. <laughs> I'm tired of talking about that guy. Perfect, perfect example of, you know, these 
guys aren't going to consistently shoot the three ball. Nurkic is never going to be like consistently 38% constantly over the course of the season. He's going to have a 20-game stretch where he probably shoots the ball at 38, 39, 40%. And he's going to have a 20-game stretch where he shoots at 30%. All I'm saying is I just don't want DeAndre Ayton out there shooting three threes a game. That's all. That's all I want. Like... I understand. Do you want him? Do you want him catching the ball at the top of the three-point arc where he's not guarded and just not even looking at the rim and turning and just waiting for a guard to hand the ball off to? That's I what mean, we. That's what we're paying him a max contract to do. Yeah, that is what they're paying him to do because that's what he does better. I don't want him to take shots where he's not going to make them. If he can make those shots, sure, shoot him. But I don't think that he's going to make them. He hasn't in his career. Why, why would he start now? I think you got to find out, though, because it just sure, defeats the purpose of the trade if you're not trying to figure out where you can find any sort of growth from him beyond what he gave Phoenix in his son's days. I agree. Let him go for it. I just, you know, I, I think if the Blazers are actually trying to win, like, that's not the style to go with. It's not going to be because DeAndre Ayton is shooting and making threes. That's just, it's just not the reason why I think the Blazers would win. So let him do what he wants. And if he shoots and makes some threes and becomes a shooter, I think it's a plus, but... Uh, I wouldn't expect him to do that. I would. I would just hope that he becomes a better defender. Like he, he's even talked about that. Like just play with more effort and be dominating on that end of the court. It's going to lead to everything. Uh, you know, you get a block shot, you get a fast break, led by this guy, Scoot Henderson. Um, I feel like uh, you know we talked about Scoot this season. Last year, you look in the G League, of course. You know, G League, NBA, a little different, but uh, he averaged what was that, sixteen and a half points a game for the G League Ignite. Um, Let's just put his number at 16 and a half, I guess. He's, it's probably a little low, but uh, what would you say over on his Tory over or under 16 and a half points, Scoot Henderson? Man. I want you to go first. This is my, you know, you 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 ask the questions, and every now and then I will uh, defer to you, and this okay. is one of those. Um, I, think, I think 16 and a half is actually a pretty good number. I just said that off the top of my head. Let's see, I had Aiton under, Grant under, Simons over. I would go slightly over on Scoot Henderson. Um, I think he's – and I think it could be because after the trade deadline, if the Blazers are out of it, Scoot's still going to play some. Like, they're not going to just fully tank with Scoot Henderson on the bench. And so at that point, it's kind of like Shaden Sharp at the end of last season when he got the ball a lot more. He's going to get more shots. And so I think that uh, points per game could go up higher. But I think – I think in the games that actually matter at the start of the year when they're, you know, actually trying to win ball games and they're seeing how good they really are, I think 16 is about right, but I would go over. I think he's a little over 16 and a half points. I just, I love Scoot Henderson. I think he's going to have a lot of mistakes this season. He's 19 years old. We've seen that in the preseason, just some of the stuff he does, but I think ultimately, like, he's going to be the dude over Anthony Simons at some point. And so I think it starts even this season, like, He's the alpha on this team, and he's the guy. So uh, I, I would take the over on Scoot. I'm taking the under. I'm going about 15.5 points per game is going to be my prediction. I just think um, the three-point shot isn't there all the way for him yet, and it needs some work. And until then, guys are going to be going under on screens. Guys are going to be backing up when he drives. Like His shot did not give me confidence in the preseason. Like He hit a couple spot-up catch-and-shoot shots. Um, I don't know what his percentage was, but I just I don't think the shot's all the way there, and I think it's going to take him some time at the start of the season to adjust to driving against the biggest, strongest, most athletic, best shot blockers in the league. So right. You, so if I put the number at thirty percent for three points, this three point percentage this year, what would you say? I'd go over. I think he shoots about thirty two percent. 
from three. Um, I don't think he's that bad of a three-point shooter. It's just the off-the-dribble stuff as a point guard. Like, I think catch-and-shoot spot up, he'll knock down enough of those to be like a 32, 33 percent or even. But, um, you know, you want to be able to, as a point guard, punish guys for going under pick-and-rolls so that they'll start going over, and then it's easier for him to drive and really, truly play to his strengths. So I think, um, you know, being able to keep defenders honest will be a big key for him. Not only just he needs to be a better three-point shooter, but it'll also make it easier for him to get to the rim, get into the mid-range, collapse the defense, and just open up his entire game. So um, so looking at his stats, sorry, Tori, he was 5 of 17 yeah. on threes in the preseason, 29%. Yeah, 29%. Um, so maybe he doesn't shoot as many as uh, for a game. I could see that being a little bit less. I just think there is going to be some growing pains with Scoot. And also, I'm not as confident, and this this can be our, our next question. I don't have it on the script here, but I'm not as confident that the Blazers tank as much as they did the past couple of years because I truly believe that they do not want to tank because you look at the last couple of years and the way fans were checked out at the end of the season, didn't care at the end of the season for like an extended period of time because they tanked for quite a while at the end of the last two years. I think they really want to avoid having another season end with the past final you know couple of months, the fans not caring. I think they want the fans invested until the end. I think they will try and... If there are a couple games out of a play-in with 10 games left, I think they'll be gunning for the play-in. Um, especially in this year's draft where the top, you don't have a Victor Wenbanyama, you don't even have a Scoot Henderson. So I I think that, you know, I, I know it's kind of uh, assumed by a lot of Blazer fans, like, oh yeah, they'll end up tanking the last month and a half, two months. I'm not so sure about that. I don't think they end up tanking at all, even. Well, um, I, if they do, it'll be in the final 10 games when it's like they're completely eliminated. Yeah, you're right. I think if they're anywhere close, they're going to go for it. Um, that's why I think like their win total is very interesting. Like You look at different places where it can be. You know, I think it's opened up at like 26.5 and, and it's gone to 27.5. Some places are 28.5. You could, I could talk myself into like over on all of it or under on all of it. But um, I think you're right. Like If they are somewhat in it, they're going to go for it. I don't know what I mean. When I say tank, I mean like like the last 10 games of the season. Like I think that they're going to stay somewhat close um, in the race, but that kind of goes with these type of questions that we were going to ask anyways, is like, is this player going to be on the roster at the end of the season? Like I have questions about a lot of these guys. Um, like is Jeremy Grant, is Jeremy Grant going to be on the roster at the end of the season? If it's a yes, then I think that they will be going for that playing spot. Right. But if, if they are out of it at that point and they're like, no, let's just try to get rid of these guys. Then, then that's when the full tank goes on. But what do you think of that, Tori? Like, is Jeremy Grant going to... So, do you think Jeremy Grant would be on the roster for the whole season and last past the trade deadline with the Portland Trailblazers? My answer might shock you. I have no idea, but if I had to pick one right now, I would say he actually is on the roster at the end of the season simply because I don't think a trade is going to materialize that looks good for this front office. They gave up that... Uh, what was it, 2025 Milwaukee first for him, uh, as well as a couple second round picks. And if they don't recoup that sort of value, then it looks like an L for the front office. And that trade was thought of as a steal for Jeremy Grant. So if you're not even able to recoup that much, then it doesn't look good. And you can sit here and say, oh, well, part of the reason they're not going to be able to recoup that much is because of the contract he's on, but Joe Cronin signed him to that contract. So... With a loaded free agency this summer compared to 
um, this past off season, I think teams might prefer to preserve some sort of flexibility uh, under the luxury tax line to be able to be in play for sign and trades in the off season for guys that are more impactful than him. I just think the market doesn't shape up to be too favorable. And I think that they might be close enough to a playing spot where they just say, screw it, we're going for the playing spot. We're going to keep Jeremy Grant. We can always trade him in the offseason where the market might make more sense for him and the Blazers might be able to get more back. So if I had to guess, actually, I think he is on the roster at the end of the season. Yeah, this is a boring answer, but I agree with you because I think the same exact thing. I don't think they're necessarily in a hurry to trade Jeremy Grant because like Jeremy Grant's not going to lose value, right? Like no matter what his value is, it's never really going to go really high, but it's never going to go low either because like a good team can always use a guy like Jeremy Grant, right? A veteran that, you know, plays hard, can knock down a shot or two, can make a play for himself. Those type of players are always needed on playoff teams. And so I, I don't think that if there's, if there's not the deal that like, you know, blows your socks off, I don't think Joe Cronin and the Blazers make that deal. I think they just hang on to him. They're like, you know what? He's a good he's a good veteran to have in the roster, uh, to have in the locker room. He's been around the game a long time. You know, he has great, great genes. You know, with his dad and his uncle, and uh, it's like, yeah, like I don't I don't necessarily think he's gone for sure this season. I don't think he lasts with the Blazers for his entire contract, but you could say that about a lot of players. So I I agree with you. I think at the end of the season, Jeremy Grant is on that. Um, but the guy. Is, <laughs> Okay, let me ask you this. Like, some of the win total, 28.5, some are 27.5, some 26.5. If the Blazers' win total is at 26.5 wins, Tori, are you going to go over or under? So I've gone back and forth between, like, that line and 33 wins, which is what they won last year. Uh, so I, I'm taking the over. I don't – I I think we should just give straight up win pre- predictions. Okay, just, what do you want to do? See how then? close we'll get. I, I'll, I'll predict. I have mine. I'll predict. You know, I'm going to go with the same win total they had last year. I'm going to go with 33 wins. Ooh, you're high on the Blazers, then, huh? Yeah, I think the lines are a little bit low on them. I that does feel high. I mean, that's the they thing have, is they have is, five top hundred players according to ESPN. Their top eight is pretty good. The problem is. is they don't have a star, and the problem is they have so many question marks. Like that's well, isn't why Ant I don't that think star. They're... You guys have been telling me how good he is. Ant, he should, be, he should be that star. Ant is Ant is going to be a fringe star in my he's opinion. A, a he's, a, he's a guy star. that scores a lot of points and doesn't make his teammates better. He's, and he's he not going to be the number one on a play. defense. I, I think I think you I, I think you hate a, a little dozen, bit too but, uh, much. I think you hate a little bit too much on his defense. And actually, I think defensively this preseason there was well, many players that, worse yeah. than him. Um, I think he is dedicated to the defensive end. I like I think he's gotten a little bit stronger, and I think that's been part of the issue for him early on in his career. Like I don't. All I ask you this year is have an open mind towards his defense, and and, and I think. We get wrapped up with like players like, oh, they're not a good defender. And then it's hard to kind of reanalyze them if they improve. So that that's all I ask like Blazer fans in general too is just have an open mind towards Anthony Simons' defense, whether it's good or bad. You know, I will try and analyze it honestly. Um, but I think Ant will be a fringe star caliber player. But he's not going to be the number one player on a playoff team. I don't think he's going to be that level of good. Well, then how so, good is he? Like... <laughs> Number one player on a play-in team, maybe? On a ninth, 10th, 11th seed? Like, on a playoff team, normally, if you're a solid playoff team, your second best player is at least, like, a fringe star caliber player, right? 
You know, you look at Sacramento, you look at Golden State, you look at um, the but Clippers. This is my, but this is you my look thing, at Tori. Like, if, he, if, he's, team. if he's the star player on a playing team, like, why do you and everyone else tell me it's you know incoming great season for Anthony Simons? Like, where I'm, I undervalue him. But like, if he can't even be the best player on a playing team, how good is this guy? Like the team we just talked about, the team has seven, eight dudes that are pretty good NBA players. And if he's their best player, they're not a playing team. Like that's that's a dime a dozen. You can find those guys. Mm. Uh, he's a top fifty to sixty player in the league, and people treat him like he's barely top one hundred. And people say he's a dime a dozen, and it's easy to find those guys. That's where we come from when we say breakout season. He's gonna silence some doubters is because of that sort of narrative as well as like a worst defender in the league because people talk about him that way and that's just simply not true so that that's where that talk comes from all right (laughs) we'll see i just i don't i don't get it i this this is the same arguments that were made when cj mccollum was in portland like oh if you traded dame and let cj be the guy Blazers would be great. He's a great. He'd be an all-star player. Well, you know what? He got his own team in New Orleans, and they were fine. I guess like he didn't really improve very much. Like I just, I don't know. We'll see how it is with Anthony Simons. Maybe he improves a bunch. Maybe he doesn't. But uh, I'm not. I'm not ready to say like, oh yeah, this is uh, this is the guy. So we'll see. Um, all right. I actually think the Blazers, uh, the win total is perfect. Like 28, I think is about right for the Trailblazers. Like that's where I would put my money if I had to bet on the exact total. I'd say 28 wins exactly. I think that this team is going to start out pretty pretty well. Like not not like win a bunch of games, not like last season where, you know, people were buying in and saying they're really good because I wasn't, but like I I think they're going to start out pretty solid. They're going to give a lot of effort at the start of the season, just like they did a season ago. So, they have veterans on the team that have things to prove, and I think Amber Simons is one of them. So, I think at the start of the year they are going to win some ball games that maybe we don't expect them to win and we're like, all right, well, this team is sneaky solid. And then it kind of comes back down to life like it did last season. Maybe some injuries happen. And then the Blazers ultimately, you know, end up tanking the last, you know, 10, 15 games of the season. And it's a 28 win season. But I think at the start of the year, I think the Blazers are going to be okay. And then by the end of the season, it's kind of like, all right, this is the team we thought they were. Not a, not even a play in team. But I, I think, you know, best case scenario, they do compete for that play in spot. But Tori, I go 28 games would be my win total. Yeah. Uh, a big part of me wants to go into the mid twenties. Um, I the the four years I've had Blazers uprise, I've overprojected them. So I'm probably doing it again by saying thirty three. It's just their top eight is solid. You know they don't have it the really star, is. No, but it is. It is. you look at their potential bench and um, given who they played in practice, their bench might be Shaden Sharp, Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams the third, Matisse Thybul. I mean that might be a top ten bench in the league. Ooh. Malcolm Brogdon and Robert Williams, a lot of a lot of publications consider top one hundred players. You got Shaden Sharp there, look like a guy who's a budding star. If you just watched the end of last season, and the Matisse Thybul who's improved his three point shot, good defender. Like that's a really good bench. So that's where I struggle projecting the win total. Um, regarding this team is they do have a lot of depth at the 6th, 7th, 8th man spots and it's depth that they haven't had before so it's just a completely different build now as far as that bench goes the reason why I bring up those four off the bench is because in their latest practice they were running Tamani Kamara with the starters and apparently there's a chance he might start at small forward if you just kind of pay attention to that 
Sean Hikins already said that he'll get minutes this year in the rotation. You know, he's pretty close with Cronin and credentialed and all that. So, uh, Tamati Kamara might be the starting three. Who is your prediction for who Chauncey Billups starts at small forward to start the season? I mean, I still think it's Feibel, but um, I, I think he's just kind of he's kind of just trying things in practice. I think Kamara is going to play. I, I was going to ask you the question before that report kind of came out and we saw the video of him playing with the stars. Like, is Tamati Kamara going to play on opening night? And I could have argued like, no, he wasn't going to, but um, no, I think Thibel starts. I think Kamaro does play. He's going to get a shot. I think that's what we learned in preseason. It's just like, it's just like Jabari Walker last season, right? Like in summer league and preseason, it's like, okay, this guy, this guy can play in the NBA. He deserves a chance. That's how I feel about Tumani Kamara. Like it's preseason basketball. He shined in the preseason. Awesome. Um, I know how excited we get about these guys, but until he proves it in the regular season, like I'm going to back off my expectations, but I will say like, he showed things that are really good in the NBA uh, of being a role player and you know be able to shoot the ball, be able to play some defense, uh, be able to protect the rim, obviously be athletic and be tall and big. Like it's all the stuff the Blazers need. So I like him better than Chris Murray. I always did. Like I just wasn't a Chris Murray guy, but I think I think Kamara comes off the bench. But I don't know, Tori. I mean, I feel like it's a little early to say Tamani Kamara deserves a start over Matisse Thibault, but that's just me. Yeah, I think even if Kamara starts, Thibel will play more. I think it might be kind of like that token starter situation that the Blazers have had in the past with Noah Vonley. Nick Batum started his rookie year. Uh, it was kind of a similar situation. But doesn't it Kamara put a lot of be. pressure on Tamani Kamara to be like the defensive stopper guy? I mean... Like you're putting a lot of pressure on a late second round pick and be like, you're going to have to guard everybody. Yeah, but I think it's something where if he struggles, then, you know, you sub him out. Like, I, I don't I don't know. I, I think he will end up with some games in foul trouble if he ends up guarding stars. I do think it is pressure, but, I mean, why why not throw the guy into the fire and see, see if he can handle it, see if he can live up to the pressure? It's not like he's a 19-year-old rookie, right? He's like an older rookie who was a role player in at Dayton um, and is – going to be able to play like a similar style and a similar role as he did at Dayton. It's not like he has to completely change his game where he was like a a bucket getter at Dayton and now has to do all these things he hasn't done before. Like his game translates pretty smoothly to the league. So I kind of like the idea of just throwing him out there and seeing if if he can take that starting job and look good with it and run with it because I think his game fits really well next to the rest of that starting lineup on the offensive end. And defensively, I thought he was one of the more impressive Blazers uh, in the preseason. Yeah, he was definitely impressive. Um, I mean, I don't hate it. Like, if he starts, it's fine because I do think this is a season where, you know, the Blazers aren't necessarily trying to compete for the play-in or even try to compete for the playoffs. It's a lot. Of, it's going to be a lot of mix and matching, figuring out what guys – deserve to be on the roster what guys you build with going forward and so I, i'm with you like give kamara a shot give him a real shot give jabari a real shot and see what they can do you got to figure out if these guys can be role players or better with these teams sometimes these guys turn out to be really good players so we'll, we'll see i i just i don't know that it'll be at the start of the season like game one we see Tumani kamara starting but um you know i've been wrong about that kind of stuff before i think it would be be pretty fun i mean to say you know we get the ways to get this guy in a trade kind of as the throw-in and now he's the starting three. So I'm down with it. But what does that mean about for Shaden Sharp? Like that's last podcast we had, I believe you were talking about Shaden Sharp needing to play what? 30 minutes a game. If Tumani Kamara starts, I mean, Shaden Sharp's definitely not getting 30 minutes a game. Like 
what does that mean for Shane? Because I'll tell you what, here's my opinions on Shane Sharp in the preseason. Like, I love Shane Sharp. I think he's going to be a really good player. He is still very raw when he plays basketball, and he has a lot of things he needs to get better at, and it just comes with repetitions. It's the fact that he never played any college basketball. Like he, It was just a weird situation when he's getting to the league, and then he was a 19-year-old. They threw him out there. Wasn't much expected out of him. I don't expect a lot of Shane Sharp. I think there's going to be a lot of mistakes, a lot of learning curves still out of him, but you got to give him that shot. you got to play him. I, I just – like if I want to pl- – like we're talking start Tumani Kamara. It's like, no, I would rather start Shane Sharp over Tumani Kamara because the potential oozes off of Shane Sharp where you kind of know what Tumani Kamara is. I mean, I know you guys are all good. I've talked about this with you before. Everyone brings up, you know, Pascal Siakam. Everyone brings up all these second round picks that turned out to be stars. Those are, you, the, you don't find those guys. Like those are so hard to find. I don't think Tumani Kamara is that guy. Maybe he turns out to be it. I don't know, but Shane Sharp has a much better chance of being that guy. So I would rather start Shane Sharp over Tamani Kamara. I just I worry that we're putting too much stock into this preseason hype of Tamani Kamara getting blocks. And now we're uh, just kind of throwing Shane Sharp about the window saying, you're old news now, bro. One year, you're out. I don't think it's that. Um, and it's not just the preseason. Like, Kamara was great in Summer League for the Suns, and then apparently same, he's same really thing, good in same training thing. camp. Jared, no, Bayless, I mean, Jared Bayless was awesome in the Summer League. Uh Tons of guys. Josh Selby was summer league player but of the Tumani year. Kamar- but those guys are scores, right? Like, there's. Okay, I, I understand there's, that, Tori, but like, you bring, you guys, we, we always bring up summer league about how awesome there's. Caleb Swanigan was awesome in summer league. Guess what? Guess who wasn't good in the NBA? It's Caleb Swanigan. Caleb Swanigan's game didn't translate to the next level. I hated the Caleb Swanigan pick. I couldn't stand I'm just, Caleb I'm Swanigan just saying, he was awesome in summer league. Trenton out. Watford was a uh, summer league finals mm-hmm. MVP of the game. Neither. Uh, guess what? It is here or there because we all hype up these dudes because it's the preseason. Can I answer though? No, can I? Can I? Can I answer? I'm tired of people talking about how awesome Steven. Are in summer league and preseason, and then they're gonna just translate the regular season. That's not how it works. But all those guys were like clear cut archetypes where they would look good in summer league and not look good in the NBA, right? Trenton Watford and Caleb Swanigan were too small for bigs and too unathletic and weren't good enough three point shooters and had no position to guard defensively. Like, they were actually somewhat similar. Josh Selby and Jared Bayless were just bucket-getting G-League caliber guards, right? That would, like, look good in the G-League and torch Summer League, but the NBA level aren't good enough as alpha scores to justify playing like alpha scores, and they didn't know how to play off guys, right? That's why they weren't that good in the NBA. Tamani Kamara is different in that he's has more size even than Trenton Watford. He's much more athletic than Trenton Watford. He recognizes things defensively much quicker than Trenton Watford. Like, it's easier for him to play like a a 3 and D role because he has the defensive part of the game. He's a better three-point shooter than both Caleb Swanigan and Trenton Watford. I'm not saying he's not. That's not what I'm saying. But yes, I understand your point. Yeah, yeah. so I, I just think his archetype is the type where, like, Teams don't draft him because he doesn't have a ton of upside and he's 23 years old. So he drops to 52, but then he comes into the league and he can play defense and he can knock down threes and he's athletic and he can cut. And that's the makings of a really good role player. Now, I'm not, I I don't think he's going to be a star. If he is, then the Blazers won the Aiton trade because of Tamani Kamara, not DeAndre Aiton. Um, But I do think like he has all the pieces to be a really good role player in the league. And I think giving him the chance to maybe run with that starting job. Maybe he doesn't. And maybe Shane Sharp's starting at 10, t- 10 games in. But I, I I, am okay with giving him the chance to run with it. I just think Sharp should also get minutes. The problem is, and I'll segue this into uh, one of our final talking points here. The problem is, 
at point guard, shooting guard, and small forward, you already have five guys, and a lot of them are important guys, that are playing at those three positions. And it's Anthony Simon, Scoot Henderson, Malcolm Brogdon, Matisse Thibel, as well as Shaden Sharp. And if you start Kamara at small forward, you're eating into the minutes at those three spots for those five guys. So that's where it's you're cutting minutes from somebody, and it probably might end up being Shaden Sharp, but... If you remove Malcolm Brogdon from the equation, all of a sudden you can start Kamara at the three and you can play Shane Sharp 30 minutes a game and you can play the other guys enough minutes. So it goes back to the Blazers should probably try and look to move Malcolm Brogdon as soon as they get a suitable deal. I know he's like the veteran guard that everybody likes and a good mentor and this and that, but just from a minutes breakdown, I think he makes so much sense to trade at some point in order to kind of clear a little bit of a logjam there if Tumani Kamara is playing at the three. Does Tumani Kamara average five points a game this season? Yes. Six points a game? Yes. Eight? What do you think he averages? <laughs> I, love the, I love the exact. I'll take under. I'll take below 7.2 on that one. Um, okay. I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I, I just feel like we are overhyping him. Because of preseason, and I get, I understand all the points you're making, because um, he was a role player at Dayton. Like that's that was his role was to be athletic and play defense and to cut and to dunk. Um, so I think, I think he could do it in the NBA. I just, I don't know. I, I just, I, it's like four preseason games, and he played really well in four of them. And guess what? Nobody preseason games are fake basketball games. Like they don't, they don't matter. I think it's just we're overhyping it a little bit. The fact that he's even being considered to start is a little wild to me, but you know what? Do what you got. You got to figure out if he can play. I, I will say, like, I think he can play in the NBA. Like, I'll give him that. He deserved a chance, so good for him. Good for him, man. I hope it turns out. I just I, I need to wait and see on that one. <laughs> yeah, I know you're not the type of guy to get excited about anything in the preseason. Um, you know, some guys are definitely fool's gold in the preseason. I got good vibes about Tamani Kamara, though, and – I will say, you know, I will put up my rec, my track record. Your rec? Yes. My, rec my, yeah, you know, let's not talk about that. Red will get mad at me. My track record of, of second-round picks, you know, I'd, I'd put up against um, against anyone's the past, like, four or five years. And maybe it's luck, but I just based off – this is going to sound ridiculous, but just based on vibes, I've actually done pretty well as to guessing second-round picks that pan out well, like what a are, big one. What's your list? Like, I need – Austin any, Reeves? Any, I know that. I know <laughs> – I know Herb the Jones ones. Were Nas you? Reed? Um, do you have a list of uh, the the misses? Or are they oh, all? There's definitely all just some makes? misses. Um, I mean, I, I could really, I could just say that I love everybody in the second round. I, I, I uh, hate okay. everybody. I have not. I have done okay. I've done a much better job scouting guys that get drafted in the second round than guys at the top of the draft. Like I was really high on Kira Lewis Jr. Oh, me too. I thought he'd be good. <laughs> I thought he'd be great. Like I thought Dude, I loved I loved him. Had some speed to him, man. Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately, he got hurt, Health, you know, yeah. so but um yeah, I I have not done a good job scouting in the first round. Like guys drafting in the first round, I have struggled the past few years. Um there is definitely some big misses in the first round. Second round guys, even down to like um, Najee Marshall, I really liked when he went undrafted, and now he's become a solid role player for the Pelicans. Like he's a he's a decent bench. You just piece. love the Pelicans. That's what it is. Trey Murphy, you know, he was a first round pick that I hit on. But yeah, you know, I think the Pelicans have done a good job. See, is Tumani Kamara better than Herb Jones? No, I mean is- Herb Jones is, in my opinion, back like. 
top 90 to 100 player in the league. How good is he defensively, Herb Jones? I would probably say a top 50 defender. Like, maybe not all defensive team, but he's like, can be your number two defensive piece on a contending team. Well, then how can you say he's in the top 100 of NBA players if he's not even a top, if he's a top 50 you're doing Defensive math player. right now, aren't you? You said he's what, you, what's you said the math he, on this, Stephen? You just said he's a top fifty, maybe top fifty defensive player. The dude doesn't even average double digits. He shoots thirty three percent from three. Like I get it. He's a good player. He's a solid role player. But like, top fifty doesn't mean he's fifty. Okay, well then why would you say fifty? If he's twenty, why don't you say twenty then? Because I don't, I don't know the list. I like Herb Jones. I'm not saying he's bad. He's I a just, really good defensive player. He's a really really good defensive player and versatile defensive player. Yeah, yeah. Offensively, it's not great. It's fine. He's okay. It's fine. He's okay offensively. He's he, never averaged ten points. We'll see if he does that. Does that at any point in his career? So he he can make the right pass though, make the right play. Like he's not somebody that can't handle the ball a little bit. He's no Alfaruk Aminu. Okay, he's no Mo Harkless. Look, I I I just love to bust your chops on these things. I like Herb Jones. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I just say I feel like sometimes we overvalue these dudes that like are legitimately just role players. Like he's yeah, never but then we overvalue the guys that score twenty one a game too. We do. So who do who it's, so who, it's, it's so who do I undervalue then? Who do you undervalue? Let's if I see. overvalue like the Herb Jones type of player and the Anthony Simons type of player, then who do I undervalue? I would say you undervalue the big man. Which I do too. Like but. like Nurk? No, you overvalue Nurk, but you undervalue <laughs> but I over- you undervalue I over- the Aiton. Um, I, I think he's a little bit better than Nurk. I feel like you hate him, but I think I think I okay. Think, I think you I made a top one hundred list recently. I had Aiton between I think sixty and seventy. You Is that fair? Like, you act like he's a scrub, dude. Do you have him top fifty? No, I would not have him top fifty. So we agree. We do. I think we're close on Aiton. So know. yeah, I, I, I just hate everybody. That's my problem. <laughs> I admit it. Though. I'm I just admit- trying to figure out where it swings the other way. Because at some point, if I yeah, if I overvalue no, it, it, a couple of archetypes, like, then I definitely undervalue something else. Like Herb Jones is good. I think Tumani Kamara. Like best case scenario, he's Herb Jones. I don't think he is that. But like, unless you're like an elite defender, which Herb Jones is, right? Like I would say he's an elite defender, or at least he's on the verge of it. I don't know how valuable a guy like Tumani Kamara is if he's not an elite defender. I think Kamara can be a better shooter than Herb Jones is. Um, I think he can be a little better scorer than Herb Jones is. Um, he's a little bit bigger than Herb Jones, I think. Like, that um, that's what I would want. Like, we talk about, like, what I would want, what I undervalue, overvalue. Like, I want a guy that is really good at one thing. That's defensively. Or, like, really good at scoring the basketball. That's why I like Dame. Like, Dame is really good at scoring the basketball. Is he great at other things? Not necessarily. Not a great defender. I don't think he necessarily makes his teammates that much better. Like, he he creates open room for them, but he doesn't give them the ball. It's, I pass you the ball, I get out of your way. I'm not driving to make people better, but he's an elite scorer. So I like him. I, I don't think Anthony Simons is an elite scorer. That's why I don't necessarily like him at this point in his career. I think Scoot has elite speed. I think Scoot has the ability to be an elite playmaker. That's why I like Scoot. So, like, if Tamani Kamara or Herb Jones aren't elite defenders, I don't need a guy that shoots 33% that can score 10 points a game but is playing only okay defense. Like, I feel like you can find other players better than that, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I do think you undervalue the type of glue guy that does a lot of things decently. I think you undervalue that type of player. I think Nurkic like, look at the, look, okay, is that type of player. I think at, Kamara could be that type of player. Let's look at the best teams in the NBA. Who are those guys? Like, who was that guy on Boston? Was it Marcus Smart? Al Horford. Al Horford, I guess, you know. He's like a he's like a Hall of Fame level player though. Uh, because of like for what specific skill though? Defense. What specific Defense? skill was he? A, was he a top ten defender in his prime? Uh, he's the best guy to guard Giannis. I'll tell you that. Yeah. So I mean, he's a good defender for sure. But you know, but like Al Horford is a is a good example of that. Yeah. He's awesome. He's an elite defender. That can literally play the best defense in the NBA on Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is unguardable. Like I just, he's uh, he he's the tight like he's. I don't think he's an elite and he defender. Cannot, and he can knock down he's threes. elite against Giannis. Yeah, he's elite in for. general. I don't think he's elite, but he's elite against Giannis. Like there's certain guys where but they match up better with certain types of players. Forty-five percent from three-point range. Like is that what he's that, what? That's what he shot last season. Forty-five percent. Forty-four point six. He shot what? 44.6% last season for three You know range. I normally know all the stats and have them all on top of my head. I had no idea that that He's was true. He's a career so. 37% three-point shooter. Last year he was 44 and a half. What did Kamara shoot in the preseason? Probably like 50% from three. So. <laughs> 100. I don't think he missed. <laughs> he didn't even hit the rim. But that's, that's my thing. Like, Alf Horford is literally like a Hall of Fame level player. Like, that's how good that guy is. Same with, like, Andre Iguodala. He's a perfect example, too. Elite defender. Maybe the best. I said this today on the radio. Like, he might be the best on-ball defender in like my generation of basketball, like it was Scottie Pippen when I was like a little kid. And now as I've gotten older, like it may be Iguodala, like he may be the best on ball defender, like elite hall of fame level stuff. Al Horford is that like Herb Jones and Tawani Kamara are not going to be that. So like, I'm not going to overvalue those guys. Yeah. But I'm not saying you should value them as much as prime Al Horford, you know, um, they're, they're role players, right? Like they are, they're role players. Like Herb Jones would play for the Celtics. Herb Jones would play for everybody because he's six foot eight and can actually like exactly. run around. Exactly. So Herb Jones would be that guy for the Celtics. I will see. Yusuf oh. Nurkic is starting for the Suns this year. So yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Brogdon is he on the team at the end of the year? No, he's uh, he's traded by the trade deadline. I think Robert Williams is traded by the trade deadline as well. Um, okay. I think those are the two guys I would say I think are traded for sure. Jeremy Grant, I think, is on the team. If I had to, if I had to bet, it would be Jeremy Grant on the team. Anthony Simons would be another guy I think has potential to be traded, uh, but that all depends on how Kumara, Kumara, Kamara develops and Shane Sharp develops. But uh, I think he's on the team. I think if I had to bet, I bet Brogdon and Williams are gone by the trade deadline. I think Rob. Hmm, I don't. Th- I, gets, I don't uh, think okay. Robert Williams really wants to be here. I'll be I don't want to predict injuries, but given how injury prone Robert Williams is that might make it hard to trade him. So if I had to guess, I think Robert Williams, the third is still on the team. And Brogdon's I think, gone though, right? I think Brogdon's gone. And then I think probably one of Grant uh, Simons and Williams is gone. I wouldn't predict any one of those guys individually to be gone, but I think that Cronin is going to do something else and I mean what else would it be other than those three guys right so I don't know what else that is maybe it's end of the bench guys for a rotation piece but like they got a top eight and if Kamara looks good they got a top nine that they're happy with and that's really what a rotation is in the NBA so it's it's just hard to predict right now but I do think Malcolm Brogdon is definitely gone 
I feel like I was a little negative on Tumani Kamara. So uh, first off, I apologize. Um, I think I think he's a solid player. I think he's fine. Um, and to be to go off of that, echo that statement. I think he's much better than Chris Murray, and I think that he should play over Chris Murray. So how I about agree. that? I, Chris, okay, Chris Murray is the type of player that I don't like in terms of what is he good at at the NBA level. That's it was supposed to be. I feel like you just copied my was, take. He was one for fourteen in preseason, and his form isn't the. Best and he's not somebody that's going to shoot off the dribble. Like my my take on Chris Murray was, <laughs> he doesn't do anything at an NBA level. He doesn't run at an NBA level. He doesn't shoot at an NBA level. He doesn't defend at an NBA level. He doesn't move around and do anything. The only thing NBA level does he does is his size. Yeah, like he's big. He's big. That's it. That's does it. nothing at an NBA level. If you wanted to go for big, draft Leonard Miller. Leonard, I like. I think I Leonard Miller. I don't is know if be I'm good. rooting for anybody to be bad besides Leonard Miller because if he's any good, you are going to be bragging about that for so long. It's going to be so unsufferable. You might as well root against Julian Strother too because there's a perfect example. Stephen, Ooh, like he can definitely shoot the three ball, and guess what he's done in preseason for the Nuggets? Average like 20 a game because he can shoot the three ball, and then when he's ran off the three point line, he can drive, pull up from the mid range, and he floater. also has a really good floater and he's six foot seven like he has he's a guy that you can see come in and play a clear-cut role right away for a nuggets team that you know he's not bruce brown they're completely different types of players but needs a little bit of help in terms of their depth after losing bruce brown and i think strother will come in and play right away because you know that dude's gonna hit three-point shots it's not chris murray where it's like well hopefully he can be keegan because the shots the shots when chris murray misses they they clank man the bricks yeah. So, I mean, I'm rooting for Chris Murray. I hope he proves me wrong. I just, I wasn't a fan of the pick at the time, especially going the rebuild route. Swing for upside. If you're going to go for an NBA ready guy, it needs to be somebody that has an NBA ready skill that you can play in a NBA ready role. And Chris Murray just isn't that to me. So. Who has a better rookie season? We'll end it on this. Tumani Kamara or Julian Strother? Better rookie season. These are your Ooh. two favorite players in the NBA. Who? <laughs> <laughs> As a better regular season rookie. rookie I, think Ju- season. I think Julian Strother just because I think he's a perfect fit offensively for Denver's offense. Is there and room I- for him to play this season? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, Is Bruce he better Brown's- than Christian Brown? He's a better three-point shooter than Christian Brown. Brown's a better all-around player and a better defender. And I think better that athlete. Brown, like I think Brown will be better for them next year because they need somebody to replace that Bruce Brown role, that hard nosed defensive player role, because you know he's gone, he's in Indiana now. So, um, you know, I, I I like Christian Brown for them. I think that he's going to have a very solid sophomore season for them. I think Strother fills that shooter role, especially if Michael Porter Jr. misses some time, like he's been a little bit injured in his career. Strother can kind of slide into that role, and he's not quite Michael Porter Jr., but he can do some similar things in terms of shooting the ball. This is, uh, of course, the Locked on Nuggets podcast, as we're talking a lot of Nuggets here. No, uh, Scorching Trails, episode three. Tori, uh, I think we'll probably wrap it there. You got anything else you want to add uh, before we go, or you got one more question for me? What you want to do here? No, I think that's it. You know, I think we pretty much covered everything. We said we were going to keep this recording till 30 minutes, and it's uh, much longer than yeah, that. Yeah, because so, yeah, you just you spout off, and then I have to respond. Uh-huh, yeah. That's, that's my problem. You got you to rant about preseason and... And like Tawani I tell Kamara you, what, I Harry cannot, Giles and Trenton Watford and all the preseason guys hey, that you don't like. I will like. say this. I'll say this. Out of all the preseason all stars, Tumani Kamara is the best. I can respect that. Mario Hazonia, Trenton Watford, 
I was, uh, never, I was never a Mario fan. I was the leader of the Mario is not him all bandwagon. Hazonia had that dunk on LeBron, and that's about all he had. And everyone's like, oh, he's so good. It's like, oh, all right. Wait till he gets in Portland's system. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, that's not a wrap here, up here for uh, episode three, Scorching Trails, Tori Jones, Steve Vaughn. Of course, uh, we're on YouTube. But now, like we said earlier on Spotify, so check us out there. Um that's it. Yes, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll catch you later, and we do episode four next week, and that'll be after the Trailblazers have their first regular season game. So we'll have some real basketball to talk about, and I, for one, am very excited to talk about real basketball rather than the fake preseason stuff. For Tory for Jones, I'm Stephen Vaughn. Do something, Blazers.